Welcome back to another edition of Broomsticks and Butterbeer. I am Dan Rhino. I'm Jessica Rhino. And we are continuing the seemingly never-ending journey through that which is Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire here on Broomsticks and Butterbeer. We're, we're getting to the end, babe. We're almost there. Almost there, baby. <laughs> like we almost made it. <laughs> Looks like we made it. Almost. Almost. Not quite there yet. I feel very far away from you. So far away. <laughs> How many, how many, uh, things can you say to trigger a musical response from me in the course of the next 45 to 55 minutes? So many things. Pretty much anything I say will trigger something. So I didn't know my, my grandpa on my dad's side very well. Yeah. Because he passed away when I was like three, I think. And I have, I think I have like a fleeting memory of seeing him once, but, I mean, that could just be, like, my subconscious, like, creating, like, something that wasn't really there. Or, you know, going back into the pensive, mm-hmm. which I wish I had, because I would have a, a clearer memory of, of my grandpa. But apparently my dad says that his dad used to always do that. Like, any time somebody would say something, he would sing a song that had those. Do you think it's hereditary? Sound. I think it might be, like, inherited from the grandparents. I don't think that's how that works. I think so. You know, like if your grand if, if your grandpa's bald, you're bald. You know, you, you get those genes from your grandparents. I, you know, that's that's just what I hear. That's just science, babe. <sighs> I know you're all about magic, but sometimes science is is the way to go. Trust the science. I don't know about all that. Science is not a leftist uh, leftist uh, conspiracy. <laughs> you're looking for something on the board board right now to press. <laughs> Some kind of button to press to show your frustration. Yeah, I got nothing. Maybe something in the green column over there. I'm sure there's something there that works. I'm just going to close my eyes and pick Oh, yeah. No. No. <laughs> well, let's talk about chapter 30 that we read last time. And then we'll get into chapter 31 today. Because business is picking up. Things we, is happening. As we get toward the end of book four here. Last time we talked about chapter 30, which was the Pensieve. Harry goes to Dumbledore's office to tell Dumbledore, Dumbledore about the vision he had. Dumbledore, Fudge, and Moody leave Harry alone temporarily. So, of course, Harry goes rifling through Dumbledore's stuff. Harry finds something called a Pensieve, which we find out later allows a wizard to suck memories out of their brain and put them in a magic cereal bowl so that they can look at, look at them objectively whenever they want. Harry sees Dumbledore's memories of Karkaroff ratting out his fellow Death Eaters to try to get out of Azkaban. Harry sees a memory of Ludo Bagman on trial for potentially siphoning information to Death Eaters. And we see Mr. Crouch's son, along with three other evil wizards, being put on trial for various crimes, including torturing Neville's parents and turning their brains into oatmeal. I see what you did there. You had two serial references. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't want to go oatmeal twice, because I think I used oatmeal, like, I think on the last show I used the Pensieve as like a magical oatmeal bowl. <laughs> so I went cereal, and then I went back to oatmeal. Uh-huh, I, I so, see. So it was like an oatmeal sandwich. Like I wanted a, you like to know. Like an oatmeal cream pie. Like I a little wanted Debbie. you to know I saw that. I appreciate it. So you saw it, you weren't happy about it, or impressed by it, or crediting just, me. Just I just want to let you know that I saw it. Yes. Uh, chapter 31, the third test. Let me... Take a drink here. Just gotta stay hydrated. Hydration is important. <laughs> you right? <laughs> Smooth! Too much hydration? It, it is just water, folks. And it's quite smooth. Chapter 31, the third task. So the first task was... God, it was so long ago. I don't even remember what it was. Uh, dragons, was it the dragons? I, dragons? I thought the dragons were second. Uh, oh. No, the second one was the underwater. Yeah. The, only se- three. the seemingly never-ending under. It's been so long. It's been like two years since we've <laughs> recorded this. We've actually been doing pretty good with these, getting these shows out, our New Year's resolution. Uh, you're probably listening to this in the summer of 2026. You have no idea, no concept of where we're at in time as we record this in 2022, but our New Year's resolution was to get at least two shows out a month, and we've been doing that so far. What if somebody just, like, binged the whole book? Like, our podcast if they only knew like they're just rifling through because i've had i have had a couple people that have told me that oh yeah i just 
I, they met us at a Comic Con, and then I listened to all of them. I listened to the whole, yeah, whole. That was my weekend. And and your weekend was years of our lives. <laughs> <laughs> the authors that I follow on Facebook are always like that. You know, they spend right. like two years yeah. writing, editing, yep. going over these books. And then, you know, Toil- toiling through <laughs> picking just the right word for every sentence and then arguing with their with their book publishers and back and forth, endless hours. And then somebody reads it in a day and it's like, hey, where's the next sleep- one? Sleepless nights, you know, losing hair due to stress. Mm-hmm. And then somebody just knocks it out in, in a day and says, OK, when's the next one? Where's the next one at? <laughs> Gimme, 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 gimme. Yep. I paid you $20. Yep. I expect a new one now. Now. So we're trying to get these out in a, uh, in a semi-regular fashion. And uh, hopefully we'll keep that up for the rest of the year here and uh, and beyond. As we uh, wrap up, getting close to wrapping up book four of seven. Yeah. Moving on. So, chapter 31, the third task. Harry goes back to Ron and Hermione and relays everything that happened in Dumbledore's office, including the memories that Harry saw in the Pensieve. Except? Except for the Neville family. uh, But we did have, like, a creepy moment where he was watching Neville sleep. There was that. That's a thing with wizards, I think. (laughs) That's a a thing. Who who was it earlier that just watched people? Uh, Oh, well, um... Moni Myrtle just watches, just stare, sits in the corner and watches people take baths. Yeah. So, I, I, I just think that's just a wizard thing. No, you know? no it, I think it's still creepy. It is. I'm not saying, nobody's questioning that. I just think that it's just accepted in the wizarding world as something that you do, is you just sit, stand in the shadows and stare at people. But I think my favorite part about the, the very first part of this chapter where Harry's going back and telling Ron and Hermione everything that happened is that Hermione is seemingly like just silent for 10 minutes. And she's just kind of taking in all the information that Harry's given her and like processing it like a computer. And you can almost get the picture in your head of the gears in Hermione's brain just like turning and her internal computer yeah. assembling all of the data and getting ready to print out a uh, a report. It said that her she had her forehead in her hands and she was just staring at her down at her knees. Like she couldn't even, she had to block out all mm-hmm. visual stimuli mm-hmm. and just listen to the words right. and it's the all, details. I do that sometimes like when we're doing a trivia and we're, we have to you know try to figure out who the singer is of the song. I'll kind of like close my eyes and, you know, I don't know if it really works or not, but, you know, kind of turn off one sense to hopefully heighten the rest of them like Daredevil. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, but apparently it, it works for Hermione. I think it depends on if your parents are yelling at each other. Which they, I mean, when are they not? Are they in the same room at this time? Well, before, back before COVID, and no, we were I'm at asking you. Events. I'm asking you. Yes. A way to tell if my yes, parents are yelling at each other is if they are in the same room. <laughs> then yes, they are. Sometimes your dad would like wander off to go find a speaker to stand under, so that he could hear it better. I agree. Well, my my parents are just they're they're cartoon characters. They're not real people. <laughs> Especially my dad is a caricature of a, of an actual human. And our friend Catherine in Chicago has been has gotten a little bit of exposure to my parents over the last couple weeks with some of the online zoom calls we've been doing and she has no idea she she just she mutes herself and just laughs (laughs) you if you're if you could see her box because you know not you can't always see everybody's box but if you could see her box she's muted and she's just laughing just laughing hysterically laughing because my parents aren't if somebody said that if it came out later on that these were actors that were comedic actors playing a part, you know, Catherine would probably go, "Oh, okay, that makes sense. I knew they couldn't be really Real like people. that." <laughs> but that, but they are. But when Hermione finally does speak, she recalls several details that the boys may have forgotten, and I include myself in in the boys here because there were because you forgot there were some little details here that I had kind of 
you know, forgotten about. Well, it's always nice when the author just lays them out for you. Yeah. Uh, how Rita Skeeter told the trio back in the Three Broomsticks that she knew things about Ludo Bagman, which Harry sees Ludo on trial for in the Pensieve. Uh, things that would make your, your skin hair skin crawl, your skin crawl, your hair stand on end, or whatever she said. Uh, Harry saw uh, Mr. Crouch be frustrated by Ludo being easily acquitted in the Pensieve memory. And Hermione deduces that Crouch probably would have gone home and vented about it, which is how Winky would have found out. Because a couple chapters ago, I had forgotten that Winky uh, drunkenly said that Ludo Bagman was a very bad wizard. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's nice to have a Hermione on your team. <laughs> <laughs> Keeping notes mentally mm-hmm. of everything. I think that the three of them, Harry, Ron, and Hermione, kind of, are a nice mix, even though they're all from the same house. They're a, they're a nice mix of, of personalities because everybody kind of brings something to the table. And even, you know, somebody, well, what does Ron bring to the table? Remember when we had a big, important chess game to play? <laughs> and that takes a certain kind of thinker. You know, also, he can throw out some, some like, wizarding facts i know hermione's read a lot of wizarding mm-hmm. books so she can be well versed but he's grew up as he grew up in it yeah so Since, he yeah. has some something and it doesn't even occur to him so he's like well everybody knows that mm-hmm. all wizards do blah 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 yeah i think he kind of underestimates his own n- wizarding knowledge mm-hmm. just because i think he he kind of feels like hermione is the smartest one in the room always even if there's teachers there and he kind of feels like he that's kind of her thing and he can't really challenge that and harry's the chosen one and he can't really challenge that and i think sometimes he kind of feels that he is less than but he has so much he's probably forgotten more about the about the day-to-day life of being a a wizard than you know hermione knows right now just because she didn't grow up in that. Yeah, she doesn't. You know, she's from a muggle. She's muggle-born. and There's stuff that wouldn't be in the books. And more more things that are kind of trivial, but common knowledge in the wizarding world that both Harry and Hermione don't know. Yeah. And Harry really had no idea other than like a couple, you know, way back in the first book, we heard about a couple weird things that happened that when Harry found out that he was a wizard, that kind of explained those weird things. But... He didn't really know until he was 11. Mm-hmm. And Ron has, you know, since he was able to walk, you know, since he was able to talk, he has, has grown up in, in this world. So it's really nice that all three of them kind of bring something to the group and the, the mix of abilities there and the mix of information that they bring to the table uh, gels really nicely, I think. It's funny that you mentioned that um, the chess game. I I guess I follow some like Harry Potter fan page or something on Facebook. I don't remember doing this, but apparently I did. And I've seen, I think twice recently, where that chess match has come up with a discussion about how um, Ron was playing with a really big handicap because two have, two of his pieces were his friends, live players. And he couldn't mm-hmm. use them the way he would normally use chess pieces. He had to protect them and the queen, the king and queen. You know, mm-hmm. you had he had to play a much harder game yeah. than the other side of the board did. Yeah, it's like trying to uh, swim with your, you know, your hands tied behind your back. You know, mm-hmm. trying to stay, trying to tread water. Uh, yeah, could probably do it, but it's going to be a lot more difficult than if you had you know, the, the use of all your limbs. And so that, that just makes it, you know, even more impressive. So it's nice that Harry has access to the information because he is the chosen one Mm -hmm. (laughs) and he can come back and he's got, you know, a couple different types of thinkers because you can't be that good at a game like chess and just say, Oh, well, you know, Ron's just a, a knucklehead or a dummy. Well, he's not, you know, he's, he's, he might not have, the the 4.0 grade point average that yeah, the book smart <laughs> that Hermione's going to have but Ron brings a different type of 
analytical, critical strategies. thinking yeah, to the table. So Ron and Hermione are helping Harry prepare for the third task by practicing different hexes with him. Uh, it kind of seemed out of character that Hermione was more concerned with helping Harry than she was about studying for the final exams. Did that kind of... Yes and no. I mean, this obviously is very important and, you know, we've already know it can be very dangerous so she always kind of puts her friends and what they need I'm sure she was spending plenty of her time without the boys doing her studies I mean she she said something like well you know you know at least for practicing that these will get good marks in defense against the dark arts mm -hmm. but that just seemed a little strange for Hermione's character to but I also feel like she's a little more comfortable in the world like when she first got to Hogwarts you know we'd already we found out she did a bunch of this reading to try and prepare herself she felt like she was coming in with a handicap already behind everybody else because she was muggle-born and didn't know anything about this world she was very stressed and put a lot of pressure on herself to kind of keep up now here we're a couple years into it I kind of feel like she's like Oh, it's I like, got this. Oh, so this all that all that, that work I did, nobody else did that <laughs> to get ready. You know, like you said, there's there's people like Ron who grew up in a in a wizarding family, but just because you are around magical stuff doesn't mean you know what happened in the great you know vampire cleansing wars of 1282 or whatever. <laughs> whatever. I'm just off the top of my head. I think she's a good enough student now that she can still. Be top in her class without putting a whole lot of effort into it. But I think at first, they said she was so worried that she was going to be so far behind everybody else that that was her number one priority. I must study all the time. Mm -hmm. And now I think she kind of chilled out a little bit. She's like, oh, I could do this without putting hours and hours and hours into it. Okay. I just wanted to throw it out there because it just seemed a little bit out of character for her. But that makes a lot of sense. And Harry is getting pretty proficient add a few hexes as we get ready for the uh, third task. Uh, the impediment curse to slow down attackers. The reductor curse to blast solid objects. And what I really like is the four-point spell, which is like a compass mm -hmm. for your wand. So do you kind of, I kind of got the, the vision in my head that he was like laying his hand out like flat, like a waiter. Yeah. And the wand just kind of... Sits it, in there. And, and it turns Turn. to true north or whatever. Uh, whenever you say guide me or, or what did, I forgot what he said. Yeah, something like that. Point me, guide me. But I thought that was I thought that was pretty neat, and he knows that that's probably going to be a pretty useful tool when you're working through a maze to make sure that you're kind of going in the right direction. Because you know you you know you have to get to the center of the maze, and if you know where north is, and you know if you're moving away from that, then you might be moving away from the center. And it does help him out a lot in this chapter. Mm -hmm. All of these hexes do, actually. I started to wonder when we got actually into the maze, though, and he kept saying, I know I need to go north. But what if you went past it mm -hmm. and you still think you need to go in that direction and you're just going further away from it? Like, I was like, this is, it seems like a really good, good idea. And when it said Hermione thought of this, I'm like, oh, of course she did. And then when we started off, I'm like, this is great. And then I was like, wait a minute. If it's in the center, does it say it's in the center in the book, or do we just think I it's think in the it's center? I think they say it's movies. in the. I think they say it's in the middle. Okay, because that was that was the impression that I got. Um, I that so I had to have I had to I have read it. I couldn't remember if I was thinking it because that's the way it is in the movies, or if they actually said it in the book. I think they actually said it in the book because I wouldn't have remembered that from the, from the movies. Because it made more sense to me that that charm would be handy if it was like you have to get through all the way to the other side mm. of the maze like go all the way through and come out the other side then you would know I have to keep going in this direction eventually I'll get there well I think they said but if it's that in the center it, but that when they when he went into the maze I'm guessing that if the hedge is 20 feet long just for example I know it's bigger than that but if, the, if a hedge is 20 feet long it's almost like he went in they, they entered the maze further to one end or the other. And so he knew that he had to go northwest or northeast. I forget what it said in the chapter. Mm -hmm. I think he said he needed to, to head northwest. 
So that would have meant that they didn't enter like right in the center of one yeah, of the sides of the head. If it's in the if it's in the center and he goes past it, but he still thinks he needs to go. You know what I'm saying? It's magic, babe. All right, it's magic, babe. <laughs> that's all. That's all you got to say. It's magic, babe. <laughs> Uh, while practicing, we see Malfoy, Crab, and Goyle doing something suspicious on the grounds. It looked like Malfoy was speaking into a walkie-talkie. I didn't really get what what was happening here. You will. Okay. Hermione thinks she's figured it out yes. by the end of the chapter. But it definitely can't be a walkie-talkie because Hermione brings it up again. Haven't I told taught you guys anything? Uh, technology like that doesn't work on the, the Hogwarts grounds. But at breakfast, the Daily Prophet arrives, and there's a scathing article by Rita Skeeter about Harry. It talks about Harry's scar hurting, how Harry can speak parcel tongue, and how he might be unfit or unsafe to even be around other people and other students. And Hermione thinks she has an idea how Rita Skeeter is getting all this information. I bet it'll work out. Got it all worked out. Got it all worked she out. Kind of rushes off to what? Well, I, I shouldn't say anything. No, I shouldn't. Yeah. So is that something that we're going to find out? I, I think I have an idea, but is that something that we're going to find out? Yeah, you'll think, in a little you'll, bit. You'll find out later. And is that going to tie into like the walkie-talkie? Yeah. Thing. It'll okay. All come together. She's got it all worked out. Come together right now. Over me. Stop! 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 Sorry. Some people like my singing. But again, Jessica. here we go. Cla uh, they've got finals, basically, in ten minutes. And she's like, I gotta go to the library. Runs. Like, You're gonna be late. You're gonna miss the test. Meh. She's I like, I, I can, I'll ace it in two minutes. I don't need the full hour. It'll be fine. Now, Harry doesn't have to worry about finals. No, he's champion. So the champions don't have to take finals. So he's been using that time to sit in the back of these classes and... Read, I think he said. <laughs> Study. Study. Yeah, he's been studying his hexes. But a surprise is in store for the four Triwizard Champions. I still hard for me to say. Triwizard Tournament and four. Four champions. Uh, it still irks me a little bit. Uh, their families are at Hogwarts to see them take on the final task. But it's not the Dursleys, Jessica. Thank goodness. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> uh, what, who shows up for Harry? Mrs. Weasley. And, and Bill. And Bill. And uh, is Arthur not there because he's got probably too much drama going on at the, yeah, the ministry? Yeah, he's at work. He's got to work. Mrs. Weasley doesn't have to work, though. And Charlie said Charlie wanted to come, but he's... Busy probably at work. He couldn't get a time off. Busy, you know, taming dragons. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, uh, you can't just take off time for that. He had already been to one task. He went to the first one. He's there. It's fine. So, that's pretty cool that Mrs. Weasley and, and Bill are there. I think that Harry, when he found out that their families were showing up, he said, oh, I, I hope it's not the Dursleys. And then he they thought, wouldn't come anyway. And then he thought, they wouldn't come anyway. So he was going to leave mm -hmm. and go to the library and read a book or whatever. Right. He wasn't even going to go in the little room. But Cedric called him in. Mm -hmm. so they're waiting for you. So that was probably a, a pleasant surprise for Harry because the Weasleys have already felt like more of a family to him than the Dursleys ever did or ever will. And Bill had to be there. That's why Bill's there. Bill had to be there. Bill had to be there. You'll find out later. Okay. <laughs> didn't even think of why Bill was there. You, just, so. you didn't question it. Like, nope. that's weird that all... Out of all the children, Bill shows up. I just thought maybe he wanted uh, some free meals. Bill had to be there. Okay. A couple things about Mrs. Weasley being there stood out to me. Apparently, we learned that she liked to frolic around the school grounds with Mr. Weasley after hours. Ooh. Yeah. So she was, you know, wasn't a uh, goody two shoes. Yeah. And well, I mean, come on. Who's the most goody two shoes you know? Hermione. And Percy. she's still breaking all the rules. <laughs> Percy the prefect. We're, we don't talk about Percy. We don't talk about, about Percy. Percy. No, no, no. And the other thing was that Mrs. Weasley is still being cold toward Hermione 
based on the whole Rita Skeeter love triangle article. We remember when she she sent something yeah. to her, uh, sent like a Easter treat or whatever to Hermione that was smaller than everybody else's, and he's still being cold to Hermione about yeah, that. Yeah, if anything's out of character, it's that. That's just kind of dumb. Well, Harry kind of makes a comment about that. Harry just calls her out flat. It's just like, you don't really believe that stuff, do you? And she kind of went... Because Hermione's not my girlfriend. No, no, no. I don't... No, I don't believe that. And I kind of... She totally did. (laughs) (laughs) But I guess just the... The audacity of the whole thing, kind of... And Harry bringing it up kind of flips a switch on... Sometimes you can get wrapped up in a story or gossip, and then when you step step back and really think about it, you realize that that was garbage. Well, it's almost time for the third and final task, and Jess, if you have a big game or a big athletic activity to do, what do you want to do like right before you do it? Let's say you're doing a 5K, and you and I minutes would... before the 5K, what would you want to do? Uh, go hide somewhere? Nope. Because I don't want to do the nope. 5K? Let's say you got to do the 5K. Well, you can walk I it. would want to eat a large, extravagant meal. Huge meal. The biggest meal of the day. Biggest meal of probably the year so far since Christmas. Mm-hmm. That that was a little weird to me. Well, it was for everybody else, though. Like, they were all having a big salt. They have this 27-course meal. And the champions... What don't was even everybody get, else in the school supposed they, they to don't do? Even, not eat? They don't even get time to digest. Why not have Why not have dinner at the regular time, and then have the task you know a couple hours later? No, it was already getting dark. <sighs> you want them to look through a maze at midnight? How about Lumos, everybody? <laughs> Just Lumos, <laughs> so we can see here. No. That's not how this works. This the big meal was for everyone. You couldn't see in the maze anyway. It's for everybody else at the school, not for the champion. You couldn't see in the maze anyway. So at at the time of day had no, you know, effect on on the maze. If they did it at midnight, they weren't going to be able to see. But then they'd be sleepy. (sighs) Yeah, after that meal that they had, I'd be sleepy too. You didn't have to eat it all. So. I'm either going to go into this life and death task on an empty stomach. No, nobody said you didn't. No, don't eat it all. It's all or nothing. You can just pick what you want to eat and eat it. Because I want it all or nothing at stop, all. Stop, stop, stop. I, I just don't like that they didn't give the champions some time to digest here. No one asked your opinion. Wow. <laughs> You're kind of being mean today with that board over there. I don't like it. Kind of hurting my feelings. Well, let's go to the Quidditch pitch where the maze maze hedges are now 20 feet high and the Tri-Wizard Cup and Eternal Glory awaits the first wizard to reach the center of the maze. The center. That's why I had it by notes. Must be. So, unless I just kind of, you know, uh, made myself believe that that was true. No, I was I was believing it was true too, but then I was wondering where I actually got it from. Uh, Cedric and Harry enter the maze first because they are tied for first place, and Crumb and Fleur will enter the maze shortly thereafter. Harry seems to have a bit of an easier time than Cedric in the early going of the maze, doesn't he? Seems that way, yeah. I because there's a there's a moment where they split up, and then. They're reunited, and Cedric is on fire, <laughs> and put puts out puts out his robe really quick. Apparently, he ran into some uh, blast-ended scroots that had yeah. gotten tremendously big since we last seen him. I don't know because like Harry was running, and he was like, "And I encountered nothing, and nothing, and nothing, and nothing. Oh, this seems really weird. How could I have not encounter anything yet?" But I knew that he was going to encounter stuff, so for me it didn't seem that weird. Like, I was like, but you aren't, you're going to, so just settle down. But, yeah, I get what you're saying. So who put together the maze? I'm sure it was a group effort. What, is it like the, the games department or whatever of, of the, the ministry that, you know, kind of like the International Olympic Committee? Uh, does for the Olympics, 
So I, I wonder who is responsible for I think um, putting the obstacles together. It's a group effort, and I think it's kind of like the Chamber of Secrets. So, like, I think Hagrid does the animals, and McGonagall does a part of it, and I think there's there's parts. Okay. Because I was kind of wondering how this how the blast ended Scroots got in there, because it really Hagrid, seemed it really seemed that yeah, it had to have been Hagrid, but it seemed that Hagrid was really the only person who was kind of and even even when Hagrid was first like uh, it's when they first show up in his class, Hagrid was even kind of unsure about what they do or you know how they function or how big they're going to get or what they eat or he just wanted to learn along with the kids so it had to have been Hagrid had to have had some input in the creation of, of these obstacles like somebody said uh we need something big and scary that you know would be dangerous but not you know it's not going to kill you Hagrid what you got what you got Hagrid oh I got these uh <laughs> things oh, that shoot moment, fire out of their butt at the moment I got these yeah okay that was just I was just curious about that uh, Harry, like I said, seems to be having a little bit of an easier time with Cedric, and there's kind of a theme in this chapter where Harry and Cedric split up, they come back together because something happened or something is happening to them, then they split up, and then they come back together, and it's almost like, uh, like peaks and valleys, and they just kind of intersect at some point, or like, uh, perpendicular lines that intersect every once in a while. They're in a maze. There's only so many places you can go. Uh, what exactly happened with Harry? Like we said, he hadn't really encountered anything super deadly or dangerous. But he goes through this mist. And I couldn't really understand what was... I couldn't really get a picture in my head and what the heck was going on based on the description. So That wasn't... Um, almost certain not in the movie like i said been a long time now um there's a point where harry hears floor scream yeah and then there's this mist in front of him and he's like uh, what do i should what should, should i just walk I was right like, through it i don't well he tried to shoot something at it that didn't work because mm -hmm. it's mist can't hit it's not mist. solid yeah but he had been working on like a shield charm so mm -hmm. i'm like well might as well try it but he didn't try it uh, but yeah, so he just just like, okay, well, if I don't know what else to do. I'm just going to walk through it. And he walks through it, and it, like, flips him upside down, or at least in his head, mm -hmm. he's upside down. Or it flips the whole world upside down. The grass, his feet, as everything's above him. So he feels like he's upside down. And like if you're playing Nintendo, and you, like, in flip your controller upside down. And, you know, down is now up. Up is now down. Yeah. Left is now right. But I think it was just kind of, like, an optical illusion trick on his brain. Mm -hmm. And as soon as he, like, stopped panicking and decided, well, I'm just going to try and keep walking, mm -hmm. it, like, broke it. So that's not really... That would be more of a test of, like, concentration, a test mental of... Yeah. Mental control. Yeah, acuity. Uh, rather than, like... Logic like, it out and keep yeah, yourself calm. Rather than, like, brute strength or, you know, anything like that. Or later even, on... Even... Uh... Even power, you know, your knowledge of, of magic. Mm -hmm. you, you don't have to know a lot, whole lot about magic to just be like, okay, this isn't real, mm -hmm. and I'm gonna push through. There's no, I mean, I'm sure there's probably some kind of counter spell or something mm -hmm. if you happen to know that. But and there's a lot, there's a lot of different things that they have to, little different bumps in the road and obstacles that they have to get through in, in the maze. And like you said, some of them are about like uh, mental focus. Some of them are. There's a riddle in there that we, we have to solve later on. Some of them, you just got to fight some big, bad, nasty thing. That's why I think it was a lot like the Chamber of Secrets. You know, they kind of had something from every mm -hmm. class, almost like from every professor. You had the devil snare from herbology. If you knew that, knew about herbology, then you'd get through that part. If you knew about this, then we could get through that part. If you had good logic skills, then you could get through this part. If you're good at flying on a broom, you could get through the keys. On the last task, we we kind of joked about uh, the scene in in Puffs, the the uh, off Broadway play, where when the contestants are underwater, everybody in the stands is just staring at a lake for an hour. Mm -hmm. 
there's no like closed circuit TV cameras underneath the uh, the water or anything like that to follow the action. And this maze, the the hedges are very high. It's very dark inside the maze. They, we heard that Cedric and Harry immediately had to to use Lumos to light up just their surrounding area. Is this another example of people in the stands just staring at uh, darkness for an hour? <laughs> I don't know. Actually, I wanted to kind of talk about this because, but I totally forgot until you brought it up now. Um, so they're at the Quidditch pitch, and we know from Quidditch that the stands are all really high up yep. in the air. Mm-hmm. So that would kind of make sense to me. So if they're really high up, and Harry mentions that as soon as he goes in, there's kind of like a sound bubble. So... You know, he couldn't hear the crowd or whatever. But maybe they could see enough to see the little lights going through. And then when when, when there's fire, they'll also see the fire light up over there in that Just corner. a little bit. I don't know. But it's kind of having, like, like having really, really bad seats to a football game. <laughs> yes. Or those... Uh, was the episode of Game of Thrones when it's all dark and you just see things every once in a while when the fire lights up so or somebody happens to shoot. It was so light. frustrating. I don't know. It was so dark. Maybe it's kind of like that. But in the movie, the Man, stands... I hope it's not like the last season of Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that's not where we're going here. Awful. Um, but in the movie, the stands are on the ground. Like they built other stands on the ground and they don't go all the way up to the top. So then, yeah, you're just staring at the side of a hedge. I mean, you might be able to see some light shine up on the top, but you're just staring at a hedge. It reminds me know. of those seats at at Wrigley Field where the Chicago Cubs play baseball. It's such an old stadium. You know, it was built like in the, oh my goodness, it's, I want to say it's over 100 years old. I could be wrong. But it was it's not built like the new stadiums are, and they have some seats that when you buy the buy the ticket, it says on the ticket you are acknowledging that this is an obstructed view seat <laughs> that you will not be able to see what is going on the majority of the time. And we took a funny picture. There was uh, we 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 found one of these seats and we sat in it. There was literally like a a five foot wide steel beam. <laughs> Six inches in front of where your body is. You are literally staring at a a hundred year old steel beam and you just kinda hear like the crowd go, ooh, ah around you. So uh I don't know if they if the You can't even fit your knees in there. Yeah, I don't know if the students were uh, made aware that these were gonna be a obstructed view <laughs> seating. I, I don't think the, they had to buy the tickets or still, anything. Still still still, even if even if the tickets are mm, being given away. I feel like they expected it after the second task. Why even go? Like I'd probably just be back in the in the common room. But you, you have know. to be there for the winner when do, it's announced. I mean, I? you could come fashionably late. Do I? <laughs> if I'm not participating, do I really need to be there? Yeah. I, 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 I hear about school, it. You want to be there? I hear about it at breakfast the next day. No, you want to be there. I don't know. I don't know. It might be a, uh, to me. It might be uh, you know a good I mean, time to. I'm not saying I wouldn't sneak take on down a look. to the kitchen. You know, sneak on down to the kitchen. You just and... had a feast. Yeah, but I mean... 27 course feast. That's true. That's true. You're what right. else are you going to do? Uh, you brought a book to WrestleMania. I oh. didn't bring a book to WrestleMania. Audiobook. I had an audiobook on my phone <laughs> <laughs> at WrestleMania. All right. Um, Harry fights off a blast-ended Scroot, uh, like the one that almost got Cedric earlier. Ends up reuniting with Cedric... And when he reunites with Cedric, Cedric is being attacked by Crumb? Yes. So he he doesn't even really, I mean, he reunites, but it's not like they run into each other again. He hears Cedric yelling. Or no, he hears... He's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Yeah, what are you doing? Uh, What are you doing? And then he hears Crumb, and he hears uh, Crucio. Crucio. And then Cedric screaming. And so Harry blasts through the the side of the maze and Mm -hmm. just like... Kicks his way through, crowdy chap, through the hedge and knocks out Crumb. So, this is a part that confused me. Are the competitors allowed to take each other out of the competition? No. Are they allowed to be using one of the 
unforgivable curses? No. So, as soon as this happened, why was there not, like, uh, one of the judges or somebody jumping in there and... Because nobody knows what's going on inside the maze because they can't see it. Nobody knows? Nobody. I feel like the guy on Legally Blonde when he's on trial, <laughs> he keeps saying, he keeps leaning into the mic really close. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> Just to say. That is correct. Like a, a very brief statement. It's like, uh, and you would say that your favorite song is... Yes. <laughs> That seems a. That doesn't seem right. Like it seems to make sure like everybody's adhering to the rules. Everybody is. This is the wizarding world. They had children steal a fake egg from a dragon. Yeah, but they they saw all that. They saw everything that was happening. Yeah. Do you think they really could have stopped a dragon from eating a child if? It... Dumbledore probably could. I bet Dumbledore could, could stop a dragon pretty easily. I mean, he's like the most powerful wizard in the world. Yeah. If anybody could do it, he could. But, so, this is not something that you could, it's not like a squid game situation where you can, like, take out the other people and, like, make your <laughs> the chances of your winning no. uh, better. So what Crumb was doing is not only against the, the code of conduct for the tournament, but also something that could get you thrown in Azkaban. Yes. It just, it kind of seemed out of character for Crumb, too. Because up to this point, he, we had kind of seen him be a little eccentric and a little stiff and indifferent, but never seemed like somebody who would, you know, run afoul, number one, run afoul of, of the rules, but number two, do something just flat out evil as one of use one of the three unforgivable curses. You're just not you're not you're not going to say anything, are you? Nope. Okay. Good show. It's a good show. <laughs> <laughs> I can't explain right now. Okay. Well, Harry ends up uh, taking out Chrome, which is you know kind of a. Something we haven't really seen Harry do up to this point that I can remember. Um, you know, use a, use a hex and actually, like, knocks Crumb out cold. Yeah, usually he just uh, takes the wand. Mm -hmm. or, or, you know, there's some kind of back and forth or, uh, you know, kind of battle of power there. But Harry's, you know, the, you pretty, can't mess around though. It's crucial. Yeah, pretty efficiently comes in and and you don't forget we're coming right off the heels of he's very sensitive about that curse mm -hmm. because he just learned about Neville's parents mm -hmm. and he doesn't know how much how much torture does it take to scramble somebody's brain. Do you think that the gravity of the situation kind of made Harry more focused and more able to? you know, cast this hex accurately and correctly and where he's able to take uh, Crumb down in, in one shot here. You know, you hear those things about, like, if you're running away from something, you're probably run faster than you normally do. Or if uh, you hear the stories about the people that have lifted cars because somebody was stuck st stuck underneath them. And, you know, kind of the adrenaline gave him that extra focus and extra little effort there. Yeah, I think there was definitely a desperation and a panic. Like I said, even more so now that he knows what the Crucio curse can really do. Also, I don't want to say like he snuck up behind him and mm -hmm. took him out. But Victor was focused on something else, mm -hmm. too. It wasn't like it was a, a face-off between the two of them. Well, Harry saves Cedric from Crumb, then Cedric and Harry split up again, and Harry comes across a Sphinx. Mm -hmm. Which we just had on our trivia thing mm -hmm. that we did with the library. And that's like the body of a lion and the head of a woman? This one was a woman, yeah. Okay. And Harry can get past the Sphinx if he can answer these riddles three. No, <laughs> that's not what it was. But I love saying that. I know. 
I was I was a bit let down. So she gives her little um, riddle poem, and it. You know, I haven't read these in a long time, so I'm like, ooh, I'm see if I can figure it out. And it's kind of like she's trying to get him to pick. It's one of those games where you have to put get several words. Mm-hmm. He has to solve several, four or five actual riddles, and then take a little bit of each word and put it together to make the word that solves the whole riddle. And I don't know, I was just a little disappointed with it. Like, he, he skipped over one of them. He's like, I don't know what that means, so I'm just going to skip it. And goes to the next one. And then ends up with a word that's actually rather short. So I don't know why you needed four clues, four different words, to get to this one little tiny word. And, I don't know, it just didn't make sense to me. I was kind of disappointed with the whole riddle. Yeah, it wasn't, and, it wasn't too... Uh groundbreaking in its difficulty the main was it, question it was not the new york times uh, crossword puzzle the main question was what creature do you not want to kiss and i'm like well and he even harry was like well there's lots that i don't want to kiss but he goes well i wouldn't want to kiss a blast-ended screw but oh, that's not my answer that's not, <laughs> not my answer nope, nope. hold on just thinking out loud here <laughs> gotta gotta think out loud i could, I could do another song there but he i'm was, not going to he was very nice and polite, like, could you please give me the next line? <laughs> Felt very, very formal. But I just kept thinking, well, the creature you wouldn't want to kiss is the Dementor. You don't want the Dementor's kiss, because then you die and takes your soul. But that wasn't good. So I was sad. I was like, I feel like it was, it was a, a spider. opportunity. The answer was a spider. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure I'd rather kiss a spider than a Dementor. And Harry and Cedric are reunited with the Triwizard Cup in sight. And they're attacked by a big spider. Oh, there you go. Like the movie Wild Wild West. Yes. No, but it was a real one, (laughs) not a metal one. Here we learn many lessons, Jessica. Yeah? We learn the lesson of teamwork that it took to defeat the spider. Uh Uh-huh. We learn the lesson of modesty and humility when both Cedric and Harry say that the other one should seize the cup. Since they both felt that they owed it to the other. I felt like this went on a little long. I'm like, all right, guys, come on. And more importantly, Jess, most importantly, I should say, we learned the lesson of sharing. Uh-huh. As the two boys decide that they will share the glory and grab the cup at the same time. Yes. Was this scene too cheesy for you? It, yeah... It wasn't, but it was. like Because it, it was almost too cheesy for me, and that, that means it's way too cheesy for you. Well, if it <laughs> if they cut a chunk of it out. Because I like I liked the Hufflepuff sharing. No, you take it. You go, I'm just here to have fun. <laughs> it just went on too long, and I think the movie fixed it quite a bit. Like, they both just realized, looked at each other and went, no, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you, so you should. Like, they're both just kind of tallying the points in their heads. And he's like, no, you helped me do this. But once was enough. It's kind of like, and then no, you hang up. Just, no, you hang no, up. No, you hang up. See, now, if I said that. I love you more. If I said that to you, if I said, no, you hang up, you would go, click. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> I go, no, no, wait, wait, wait. I wanted to do a little back and forth, a little parlay. <laughs> Nonsense. So I, it made me. It went on think too that, long. Uh, yeah, it made me think that when I'm reading this, I go, oh, Jess didn't like this I part. appreciated that they, you know, kind of, again, laid it out there for the reader and said, okay, well, I couldn't get here if you hadn't done this and this, and I couldn't get here if you hadn't done this and this. We helped each other. We're I, both good guys. I think, We're both good people. I think they could have stuck to just the maze. We had to go all the way back to the first task. Well, you helped me in the first task. You told me I was dragons. Well, you helped me in the... That's what this whole book is. This whole book is last time on Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. <laughs> I know, that's your recaps. That just, uh, that's just another uh, aspect of the, the recaps. You put my recaps on top of chapters which already have recaps in them. It's like Inception. It's like a dream within a dream. <laughs> I'm reading... No, I finished the book. The book that I just finished did that. Like the whole... And I... I read all the books consecutively. They're all out. The series is finished. I read the one, got the next one, read it, got the next one, jumped into book three. And there's four different main characters. And for every main character, we had to have like a breakdown of what happened in the last two books. Do you think that authors do that 
on purpose so that they can have new readers jump in on a book rather than because if you're shaking your head no no i don't think especially with these books you wouldn't have been able to just jump in but it's because you wait a year or more for the follow-up book so like i said i read them consecutively i didn't need to be caught up but if i hadn't read it since last year and i've read 50 books since then I know then comic books do that sometimes, like on the, the first page, they'll kind of show what's happened in this story arc, mm-hmm. you know, if it's like a, if it's like a 10 issue story arc, and you pick up issue 8, a lot of times with that recap page, you can find out what happened in the last 7 issues. I just kind of wonder, the reason I ask that, I wonder if, like, let's say an author's third book comes out. That author doesn't just want people that bought the first two books to buy the third book. That author wants those people that bought the first two books to buy the third book. But they also want a bunch of other people to buy the the third book, too. And some people might be too intimidated to jump into a book if they know that they're going to have to go back and read the, the first two. They might not want to make that sort of investment, time and financial wise into a story if they can just jump into to maybe one book and just try out and see if they like it. But you wouldn't want to try out the third book in the series. It's the final book. You Everything's spoiled. I don't think... That and, happens with movies a lot, though. Like, when, like let's say Fast and the Furious 7 comes out, mm-hmm. and you just want to go to the movies because you want to see something. You think the uh, trailer looks cool. And you're like, yeah, but do I have to watch the first six Fast and the Furious movies to know what is going on. And when we used to work at video stores back in the day, people would would come in and they would like had a sequel was coming out. They wanted to go see the sequel, hadn't seen the first one first, so they would come in and, and rent the first one. And get mad because it wasn't there because everybody because everybody was, doing, was, the was doing the same thing. Like, why don't you have this movie? It came out five years ago. It's like because everybody's doing what you're doing, knucklehead. Because it came out five years ago. We only have one copy because it came out five years ago. But you don't think you don't think that's a a, a tool that no, authors use? I don't think not. Not in my genre. Like maybe in other series, but in the YA fantasy genre, not at all. I think the if if the third book comes out and it's a huge success and they're getting a bunch of hype off it, people, the first thing somebody's going to do is go buy the first book, the second book. Mm-hmm. Like, there are times when I'll read the first book and I'm like, oh, this, actually, this series right here. I really, really liked the first book. The second book was, okay, this is a little different, but okay. And then I read the third book. I'm like, as long as I'm happy at the end, then I will recommend all three books. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, no, if, even if the third one is a huge success, people are going to go back and buy the first one. As long as you know you're going to be happy at the end, then I think most readers are willing to put in the time, financial commitment. You always get it from the library for free. And, um, and, get, and get caught up. I don't think they would jump in. It makes sense with comics, though, because those come out weekly. You can't always get your hands on one that you missed. If you were out of town one week or sick and you didn't get to the comic book store, they might have sold out and you wouldn't be able to get that issue. Mm-hmm. It's a little harder to collect all 30 issues as opposed to a three-book trilogy. And comics are usually a, a limited run. It's not like... They just keep making more right. as long as people want them. Right. Um, and that's kind of, you know, kind of one of the... What makes comics collector's items is that there is a finite amount of these books that exist in the world and that's what makes something valuable is that there's not very many of them if everybody has one it's not not worth anything kind of what happened to the comics why almost killed the comics industry in the 90s is they they flooded the market with so many issues and people thought that they were going to buy these comics for their you know to send their kids to college and then it ended up not being worth anything but with books i mean they print yeah, them as long all as the there's time. a demand for it, they're going to keep printing them. Right. Um, with comics, though, they they kind of realize that. I would think that the publisher realizes that this book is sold out. We're not making any more. 
But we don't want to discourage people from buying issue 792 just because yeah, 791 so is sold out. That. So let's tell you what happened in 791 with a little one-page recap. Now you're ready for 792. Yeah. Oh, so 792 is sold out? Industry. We'll give you a re- one-page recap in 793 about what happened in the previous two. Mm-hmm. So I think it's an interesting discussion. Um, but I think we're wrapped up with this chapter here. What we didn't really i know you know because you you've read this uh and i know from from the movies what happens when they grab the cup but in the book it just it didn't really it say just anything. gives it gives the description that when they grabbed it that it was like the hook on the belly button it was basically the same description we got at the very beginning of the mm-hmm. book when they touched the boot so we, right. as a reader, even if you hadn't read it, as long as you remember that from the port, beginning, you know it's a port key situation. Situation, yeah. Okay. It uses the same exact description. So. Well, I think things are going to get awfully interesting in the next chapter. Uh, from what I uh, remember from watching the movie years and years and years ago. But uh, I'm excited that we are almost through this book because this is kind of a... The next chapter, I, I might even say the end of this chapter going into next chapter, from everything that I remember, is a very pivotal shift in the story. Definitely. I mean, this is kind of the, if you had to draw a line of demarcation from kids books to young adult books, this is kind of your line right here, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, everything definitely gets a, a darker shift after this. Um, like business is picking up. We, it's very, the whole series is gradual, but like you said, this is the marker. If you had to, ha- if you have to, if you had to draw a line in the sand, it would probably be right exactly <laughs> where we're at right now. We're yeah. stepping over that line. We are kicking the. <laughs> The sand out of the way. We're leaning over it to the point where we're going to fall yeah, forward. We're, we're on our uh, tippy toes. Our it. heels are off the ground. We can't save it. There's no going back. Yeah, we are. But pe- we haven't actually landed to the on point the other of side return yet. Here, so uh, Jessica, for the very last time, I'm going to uh, we're going to sign off with our innocence intact because the next <laughs> chapter. <laughs> At least you are. We're 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 growing up. <laughs> we're going to get into some serious stuff in the next chapter. I'm pretty sure. You have the Grim. The Grim! Oh no, <laughs> Jess! Ah, the Grim. Uh, no emails this week. You can always send those to us, broomsticks.butterbeer at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, and we'll follow you back, at broomsticksb, no spaces, no underscores. Uh, continue to get more people liking the, the Facebook page. We always put up when the new episodes are out on the Facebook page as well, and you can all also... Put questions on there and we'll give you a shout out on the air. Even if it's not just a question, if it's just a comment, you want to tell us uh, what you like, we'll give you a shout out on the air. Tell us what you don't like, probably won't give you a shout out on the air, but <laughs> at least uh, uh, send you an email back and thank you for your input. Because we're always looking to try to get better on this uh, passion project of ours here. That being Broomsticks and Butterbeer. Uh, anything you want to add before we sign off? No, I think I'm good. All right. Covered a lot. Uh, last, uh, savor the last few moments of your, of your innocence as we get into some, uh, some heavy stuff in the next chapter as we're finishing up Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire here on Broomsticks and Butterbeer. Until next time, I am Dan Rhino. I'm Jessica Rhino. We'll see you then. Bye.